Books can take us around the world. They can take us to the intimate spaces of human experiences, and they can help us grow through their words. Stay tuned for People of the Book with Janice Leibovitz. I hope that there are some people of the book out there, because at the moment Johannesburg is experiencing a massive power outage. So I'm not sure if anyone in Joburg is able to hear this. So um, for everyone else out there, for whoever is listening, for you who is listening, um, welcome, welcome. Another week, um, more book talk, and I am absolutely thrilled to introduce you to my amazing guest this morning, Paige Nick. Hi, Paige, are you there? Hi, how's it going? It is, yeah, going good. Um, let's just send lots and lots of positive, positive energy that the network tower doesn't go down, that the, the laptop battery doesn't die, and let's just have lots of fun with this. Um, for those who don't know Paige, Paige is a really, really successful author. She's written nine novels. She's a Sunday Times columnist. She's hilarious. And she's also an advertising copywriter. She co-authored um, a few years ago a series of um, choose-your-own-ending adventure erotic novels. You might have heard of them. They were um, The Girl Walks Into a Bar, Girl Walks Into those books, you could choose your ending. And she wrote those with Helen Moffat and um, Sarah Lotz. And they were under the name of um, Helena S. Fairfax. Was that it? Helena S. Page. Close. Helena S. Page. Sorry, I don't know where I got the Fairfax from. <laughs> but um, very funny. And we're, we're going to chat a bit about um, what it's like to write in collaboration with other authors. But um, let's get to a bit about your writing journey, your your authoring journey that started uh, just over 10 years ago, 11 years ago, with a million miles from normal. Gosh, that feels like a lifetime ago, I suppose. Yeah, it's yeah it kind it's of was. <laughs> it's a different world, isn't it? Um, well, yeah, it's a different world today. And, and that was about um, a, a young lady by the name of Rachel Marcus who worked in advertising, and I'm not saying Rachel was based on you, but the advertising part of it, was that based on the advertising world that you were living in, working in? was, I guess. You know, I suppose they say you should write what you know. Um, and funnily enough, there was a guy that I worked with. Actually, I still work with him on and off now for a long time, and he was my art director in an agency. And when that book came out, he phoned me and he said, I bought two copies, one for me. And one for my lawyer. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think based very much it was the world that I lived in 100% then. So I guess it was, you know, it was so in my mind that it was kind of I made it easy to write about. So, and, and you really, you didn't look back after that. So you, you've written a string of novels and I very stupidly made notes and didn't write them in order, which is quite Actually, but after that came This Way Up, which, yes. I mean, I'm, I've loved your books, but This Way Up was about someone who got married and then just had the perfect life and then didn't within a couple of days. As, and as I think, sometimes happens, right? And, and I think people love writing and reading about 
people whose lives have just gone pear-shaped because, you know, you kind of like reading about people and thinking, oh, you know, thank God it's them and not me. Thank God. Oh, thank God it's not just me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there's that too. That these things are happening to. You know what? I was kind of tricked into writing that second book and I, I like shocked myself more than anything because I'd written that first book and then I got a, um, a message from the Friendship Literary Festival and they said, won't you come and talk, um, in, I think it was May, won't you come and talk about what it, what it's like to be an author, talk about being an author. And I thought, I'm not really an author. I wrote a book, which was maybe just dumb luck that I managed to get it out. Like, what is it? How does that mean that I'm an author? That doesn't mean anything. I better quickly write another book before that festival just to prove that I'm an author. <laughs> a real, a real live grown up author. Exactly. That I really am and that I'm not just an imposter. And so I was kind of tricked into that second book. And then after that, I guess the, the ball was rolling a little bit. The ball was rolling. And you wrote the books with Helen and Sarah, um, what what is it like collaborating? And and for Sarah, I mean that is a huge departure from the genre she generally writes in. And just to to fill you in, if you're listening, Sarah Lotz writes very dark, very scary. Very, you know, you'll sleep with the lights on after yeah. you've read Sarah's books. Quite yeah. honestly. Yeah. And um, so, what was it like? I mean, for her, I, mean, I imagine for her, it must have been a lot of fun to write um, these books with you and with Helen. And I just wanted to, as an aside, um, and I know Helen is not listening, but just to wish Helen lots of love because I know her family is going through an extremely difficult time right now. Um, and I have had Helen on the show. Her latest book is Charlotte. We spoke about that. It's a beautiful book. So just lots and lots of, of love and good wishes and prayers to Helen and her family at the moment. Um, cause they're going through an extremely difficult time. Um, but what, what, what is it like? How do you write with, with other people? Well, I don't know how really I would write with, with many other people, but with Sarah and Helen, it was such a interesting collaborative process. So Helen was my editor or an editor at the time and she's an editor and also a writer. And as you mentioned, Sarah writes this very dark, thriller and we went for lunch to celebrate because Sarah had sold this um the three which is this very she writes a lot of like creepy scary uh, the three is absolutely chilling really so we went for lunch to celebrate this she'd you know had this huge deal and over lunch um she kind of threw it out there and she said you know we should write we should write a choose your own adventure erotic novel and I went like that's the best idea I've ever heard and then we were drinking quite a bit of champagne and we kind of plotted it. And then on the drive, we were in Nerdhook having lunch and I had to drive back over the mountain, which is, which is a bit of a drive. And on the drive home, it was building in my head and building in my head. And I got home and I sat down and I wrote the first, I don't know, three or 5,000 words. And the next morning I sent it off to them and I said, I don't know, this might be terrible, but I love this idea. And then Helen picked it up and she wrote some, a couple thousand words. And then Sarah picked it up and she added it to, so it was a very collaborative. And then we sent off the first 10,000 words and we got, uh, next thing we knew, it was kind of magic. Suddenly, um, Sarah's agent in London had sold it into 21 countries around 21 the world. 21 countries. I mean, that's incredible. 
Yeah, it was insane. And then we had to write three of them in a year. We had to, we had these crazy deadlines. So I quit my job to go freelance in advertising so that I could write three books at the same time with Sarah and Helen. But the interesting thing about Sarah, to answer your question, is that Sarah cannot write a sex scene. She doesn't want to. I bet you she could if she, I mean, she absolutely can, but she doesn't choose to write a sex scene so we were writing these erotic novels and so sarah would write plot 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 and then she would write in there um sex scene in here <laughs> and, it back to us. <laughs> and she'd leave the messy parts to you <laughs> absolutely so we had a lot of fun and we we definitely played to each other's strengths so i think like I, I said i don't know how i would write with other writers but because we knew each other's strengths so well we were really able to play into them. You know, Helen edited them and she proofed them and we kind of stepped back for that. Sarah didn't write the sex scenes, so she stepped back from that. But Sarah was very integral in all the plotting, so she stepped in for that. So it was very much this collaborative process, um, which was very, and, very and cool. And it really worked. And I think that, that people have since then been asking, when are there going to be more? Well, hopefully soon. Um, earlier this year, I started writing a TV series with Sarah. So Touchwood, something picks up there. We'd love to work. We love working together and we'd love to work together. I guess it's just um, finding that moment in time and even more than that, finding the right idea that will work. As long as you write the sex scenes and she doesn't have to. She can write. And also she does all the car stuff. She's kind of like the, the car and the tech geek. And then we kind of share out the other stuff. It was funny because when we were writing it, so the way the books work is that, you know, for example, you walk into a bar and you meet all these characters and you, the reader, decides who you want to go home with, for example. So you can choose to go home with the rock star or the barman or the businessman. And so That's a lot of fun. Uh, and then you turn to the page. So if you want to go home with a barman, you turn to page 69, for example, if you want to go home with a businessman, you turn to page 23. And so what we did, we knew who those scenes were with. And then it was very interesting that, that we never overlapped. So we all knew which scenes we wanted to write because of our personalities. So Sarah wanted to write, you know, the, 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 the car guy. Um, I wanted to write the rock star. Um, Helen wanted to write the priest. So we all knew which scenes we wanted to write. And because our personalities and writing styles are so different, it just kind of worked, which was lucky. I think it worked. Yeah, I, well, it clearly did because people have been asking for the last – I think seven years or something or eight years. When when are the next ones coming out? You know, we well, want more after lockdown, so that the girl can walk in somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> there must be. Yes, that's true. Girl, girl walks into a mosque. Yeah, you know, something like that. <laughs> we're girl going to take, we're going to take a short break, and um, we'll be back and we'll chat about a couple of your other books. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. This is People of the Book with Janice Liebowitz. He's performed before tens of thousands and his music has touched millions around the world. Idan Reichel will be in conversation with Simon Anstey this Monday on The Overdrive, just after 4 p.m. Don't miss it. Chai FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. I'm back with my guest, Paige Nick, and we have been chatting about 
the books that she's written, she's written nine. That's quite an achievement. And, um, Paige, before the break, we were chatting about your collaboration with Sarah Lotz and Helen Moffat. But the other books that you've written, um, as a solo author, you had a book put together, well, Pens Behaving Badly was a selection of your columns, your Sunday Times columns, and the weird and wonderful responses that you've had to them. So yes. tell us about those. No. <laughs> apparently, apparently some crazy letters that have come in in response to the columns over the years. Yeah, I was always unsure about collaborations of columns because I thought people who love that writer will probably read the columns. And then I wasn't sure of the, the place just for – you know, you know, a whole lot of columns in one place. But then, um, Ben Williams approached me from the, he was uh, with the Sunday Times and, and we had this thought that I get these crazy letters from the columns. I, I, so I wrote the column weekly for about four years. Um, and that must have been from 2010 onwards. And now I just write it sporadically. But at the time, it was a, a weekly column. And I would get these crazy letters every week. I'd brace myself on a Sunday and Monday. they put my email address at the end of the column, and people would write in. And I always knew if I wrote about certain subjects, if I wrote about sex, um, specifically if I wrote about um, I'll try to keep this, um, I'll try to keep this PG, but if I wrote about the size of a certain thing, then I knew I guaranteed to get lots of ma- mails. So I got these crazy. When you, when you say a certain thing, what, what are you talking about? Like apples, bananas, pears, yes. bananas and things like that. Organs. Yeah, bananas and organs. Yes, or, yeah, right. Yeah, that's what I thought you meant. <laughs> Um, and so we decided we would pick the craziest letters and then publish the column and then the letters that came from it. There was one guy who used to write to me all the time, and he would write and he would say, your column's terrible. How could you? I'm never reading you again. This is despicable. You should rethink your life, and I'm never reading you again. And then but he read um, it every time. I would get another letter. I would write another column a few months later, and I would get another letter from him. He said, I know I said I was never going to read you, but your latest column is absolutely despicable, and how could you? And I'm never going to read you again. And he would constantly come back to me. So um, so that was the pens behaving badly. It was kind of a different take on, a, on, on all the columns. And then after that came Death by Cards, where no. someone murdered Tim Notes. Was that not after pens behaving badly? I think Dutch Courage, I don't know. The two came out quite soon. You might be right. You might be right. So, yeah, I had, um, yeah, no, no. Death by Carbs is definitely first, I think. Well, I, I don't know. I'm, here's me telling you. I mean, yeah, you, you did bring out that first. <laughs> I think I wrote them in the other order, but they came out. Death by Carbs came out next. You're right. Where you very bravely murdered Tim Noakes. <laughs> And he was, he was quite sweet about it at the time. I think I remember. Shame for the poor late Tim Noakes. Um, and, and he, he, he allowed you to do that and was, was very, uh, you know, he was very kind about it. Shame, you... he was lovely. You know, that was right at the peak of banting. And I think that's why that book came out first because it was very tactical and it needed to come out to hit the tail end of that trend. And, um, I remember I phoned him. I got my, all my courage and, Foolishly, I wrote the book and then asked for permission afterwards. So I could have 
gone and written this whole book and then reached out to him and said, you know, I know your lawyers are bigger than my lawyers, so I wanted to ask you if maybe I could publish this book. And he could have said no, and then I don't know what I would have done. I probably would have published it anyway and then run run for the hills. But um, So I phoned him and I said, hi, my name is Paige, I'm a writer, and I've written this book about you, and I was wondering if I could get your permission. And he said, of course, well, of course, with pleasure. And I said to him, well, no, wait, um, I murder you on the first page. You may want to read it first before you give me your permission. And he was like, mm, yeah, let me just read it first. And, um, and But he was very graceful. He was really lovely about it. Um, yeah. So the, the, the premise of that book is that somebody murders Tim Noakes, and there are so many suspects that the poor detective doesn't really know where to start. And actually, I got that idea. Somebody had put on Twitter – uh, that they were talking about Tim Noakes and there were just so many lovers and so many haters and somebody put there, I don't know whether to murder him or thank him. <laughs> <laughs> because, of course, so many ideas. I mean, Twitter is just uh, uh, an absolute breeding ground for, for ideas, for, for writers. That is the first place one should go if for you can get ideas. Anger and, the- and I actually remember um, Lauren Bucher saying she had um, the idea for... Shining. Oh my goodness. Well, the yeah, Shining was- Girls, she yeah. had the idea and she put it on Twitter and then realized she should, in fact, immediately remove it. And she did. Yeah. 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 So, so yes, yeah. that's the, that, that is the first place to go if you want an idea for, for a novel. And then, as you say, immediately afterwards, Dutch courage arrived and that was a lot of fun. I mean, I remember the launch for that <laughs> and. We had great fun with that. That was at a particular um, adult, an adult establishment um, here, both in Joburg and in Cape Town. So much fun was had because the the premise of Dutch Courage is that it takes place in an Amsterdam strip club where everyone um, is a celebrity impersonator. Yes. So, but I haven't thought but, about this book in a while. It's nice to think oh, about it. I loved it. I have to say, if I was to choose, and I mean, choosing a favorite book is like choosing a favorite child. But if I was to choose, I think that's my favorite one of yours. But the actual research behind it was a lot more serious. Tell us about that. Tell me, tell me about the research. Cause I remember when you spoke about that, it actually is a lot more down to earth and a lot more. It brings a lot home when you spoke about the research of that. It, it kind of, it was a bit of an eye-opener. Yes, you have an amazing memory. Um, that um, So I'd written about advertising, which was easy because I'd been in advertising for 20 years or so, and I knew that stuff. And then when I wanted to write about a strip club, I started out and I'd set it in, in South Africa. And then I'd started to do my research and, I'd, you know, Mavericks have a, actually have a – I don't know if they still do, but at the time they had a house – uh, an apartment next door to the club. Mavericks is a strip club in Cape Town. They had an apartment next door to the club where the girls all lived together. And I became obsessed with this idea of all these strippers because they come from different backgrounds, different countries. Some are Russian, some are from North Africa, some are South African. And I just became obsessed with this idea of this melting pot of this place where these women are um, doing something quite specific They probably make friendships in there that are very binding and very lasting. They might also make the opposite of friendships that are very binding and lasting because I think it's quite competitive. And so I wanted to set it in South Africa. And when I started to talk to the girls, I realized that it was actually very dark. And, um, you know, there's, you know, 
it's not all out in the light yet. And I, and I don't like to write those kinds of books. I kind of feel like there's enough serious stuff out there and everything I write, I like to be light and fun. And so I re-angled it and looked at Amsterdam where the sex trade is legal and where there's much more of a light shone on it. And so uh, I did quite a lot of research in South Africa in the strip, among the strip clubs and the ladies who work there. And then I went to Amsterdam and I visited a whole lot of strip clubs as well. And I worked with a PLC in Amsterdam, which is a group that works with the woman um, and with the government. In fact, the woman who started it has been in government. So they work quite closely to make sure that everybody's needs are looked after and that everything is as kind of it works for everybody, for each side, for tourism and for the woman and for the you know, the people who, who own the books. Yeah. So yeah, the, the book is very light, but as you said, kind of the research, uh, went into a lot of different places, which was an incredible experience. I guess that's and one it of really, the, it, yeah, it did show, it showed a much darker, um, underbelly of, of the, of the whole industry. Yes. Yes. But I wanted to really get into the relationships between the women. Um, that was important to me because, because that is important to me. And it's it's not really something that people think about at all. You know, you see the veneer and you see the, the facade on stage where these are just performers and you don't think about the lifestyle. You don't think about what they have to leave behind when they are traveling overseas to make a living or traveling to another city perhaps to leave to to leave their families behind because they need to come somewhere else to make a living. Absolutely, and you remind me the one amazing woman that I that I um, spoke to quite a lot. She was a single mom, and she'd chosen to do this because she liked she wanted to wake up with her daughter every morning, take her off to nursery school, um, fetch her in the afternoon, and spend the afternoon with her. And then at night time, the child goes to bed, and she could go off to work and and earn a living and work her shift. So. Um, those kinds of stories bring a lot more meaning into lives that we would otherwise be very judgmental of. You'd look at somebody and go, oh, you do this and you do that. Meanwhile, actually, uh, there's a lot of, there, there's a lot of detail and a, a lot of thought that, that makes a big difference. And it brings the humanity into it as well. Exactly. Real people. You have to wonder what Corona's done to that industry. Um, again, Absolutely. Of, um, you worry for all these women. Yeah. And then we come to 2017 and you brought out a quite a hilarious book called Unprecedented. And at the time in 2017, you had pitched this book in the near future, in the not too distant future, which at the time you said was in 2020. And we're <laughs> past that, which I find Quite ironic and quite that's hilarious when we know where we are now and all the crazy stuff that's happened. I'd forgot. Tell, tell me about Unprecedented. So Unprecedented, and it was a blessing and a curse, that book, because I kind of think the timing was at the same time absolutely brilliant and absolutely disastrous of bringing out this book. So the, the idea of this book is it's about um, an unnamed, well, Musa, South African ex-president, <laughs> loosely unnamed South African president. And um, he has just been released from prison uh, for an um, ingrown toenail that's been badly infected. Um, so he was the president. He did some terrible things. He got put in prison. And then, of course, he was released for an ingrown toenail. And now he's gone back to his compound with all his wives, where, where the wives that he have 
has left are still living, and he is plotting his 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 long walk back to presidency. He thinks he can be the president again. So it was a spoof. And the strange thing is that it kind of, again, like the um, Death by Carbs, it was a very tactical book that needed to come out at a certain time. And as it came out, Jacob Zuma uh, was 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 kind of kicked out of the presidency, and we were all furious and all the corruption had come to light. And so it was good timing in that it was very topical, but it was bad timing in that we had a little bit of Zuma fatigue. And I don't know that everybody really wanted to read about it, even though he did kind of get his comeuppance and his wives plot to kill him and to get rid of him. And uh, so, you know, there's a lot of stuff. I was trying to kind of – I felt like he'd had the last laugh and I wanted to laugh back at him. I thought it was our turn. He'd been laughing at us for all those years that I felt like it was our yeah. turn to laugh at him a little bit. Um, yeah, and so I did find there were there were times in the book where I mean, as much as you don't want to, you actually feel sorry for him. Well, that was tricky in the writing because I didn't want anyone to feel sorry for him. But if you're going to have a, a hero throughout a book, the reader does have to have a little bit of empathy for them. Otherwise, they just feel like they want to toss the book across the room. So I tried very hard to get a balance between feeling sorry for him and also understanding that he's just a despicable human being. Um, oh, and then totally. he can come up and... Absolutely. So, so, I mean, I have to ask, when's the next book? Oh, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm kind of on a, I call it a book abatical. Um, um, some people take a break so that they can write a book. I'm taking a break so that I don't have to write a book. So I'm not really working on one. I haven't been working on one. For, I haven't had one for about two years, which isn't like me because after A Million Miles from Normal, I was literally writing a book back to back constantly. So I'm quite enjoying not writing a book, but I'm, I'm also looking into trying, you know, writing series, Trying other medium, which which are which I'm enjoying. I don't know what will come from it. And then on the side of that, of course, there's always a like. Now I feel like a book has started to knock at me. So maybe, maybe we'll see. We'll see. I, I don't know that the world needs more 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 of these. I don't know. We'll see. I'm not sure. <laughs> okay, but let's move on to something that I'm I'm sure is quite close to your heart, and that's. The Good Book Appreciation Society, fondly known as GBAS, and that is your online book club. And oh, another you... incident, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> currently yeah. sitting on 13,000 members or thereabouts. That is no mean feat. It started when I was before I, we wrote the se- what I call fondly call the sex books, the, por- the pornos, the erotic <laughs> fiction. Um, I worked full time at an agency called King James, and I, for about ten years. And there were a group of uh, group of us. They're very avid readers. Um, I think eight or nine of us, and we would meet every Friday at lunchtime for our book club, which was called the Good Book Appreciation Society. Every Friday at lunchtime, we would talk about what we were reading, and we were massive book nerds. And then over the years, um, a few people left the agency to go work in other places, and we became so busy. The world was shifting then into a, this busy, much busier phase, and we couldn't break for lunch anymore. And so at some point, we decided to take it virtual. And so I started a group called the Good Book Appreciation Society, and it was just eight or nine of us. It was just It was just us 
King James book lovers. And then um, uh, the rest has just been organic, just an organic growth um, of this very special club. And it's a secret group on Facebook. We recently opened it so that it's actually visible. Um, so if you're interested, it's called the Good Book Appreciation Society, and you can search for it on Facebook. Um, so for the last, uh, since about 2013, it's been undiscoverable. So you could only join it if somebody joined you to it. Um, and so that's kept it quite kind of culty and interesting. Um, and now we're opening up a little bit because we just, it makes a difference to people's lives and we love it there. And also, I mean, the fact that it's uh, the, the admins, it's just you and two other people. And for a group of that size to, to be run and administered by just three of you is, is also, I mean, that, that's quite, that, that is that is bulk. That membership is is hefty. You and, know, I mean, as we all know, for anyone who is on any type of Facebook group, there's always someone who flouts the rules. There's always someone who who is doing something they're not supposed to, saying something they're not supposed to. And I mean, really, there, there's people who have to be the eyes and the ears all the time. And I, but I suppose in a group like this, as you say, that is is quite special. I suppose your members all play a role in, in being admin as well, right? So a hundred percent. So I'm actually the only admin. <laughs> the the other accounts are, are, are me. Um, fake profiles, say fake profiles. You're, you're one of those. Be a reader is, is or, or in this ca- or in this case, like, I know be reader is you. So you, yes. you're actually like four personas. You said what you're telling me. Voices in my head. Okay. <laughs> But you're 100% right. The group is 99% self-regulating. And I think, and, uh, and maybe it's the nature of people who love books or readers. It's a very kind, gentle, generous place. I can maybe count three or four times since the book, the group started over a decade ago where we've had a little bit of fisticuffs, but they kind of, um, there's a scene in a movie, was it Notting Hill where, um, where, Oh, I'm not going to remember their names. The two main characters, uh, British, very British main characters, have a fist fight, but it's a very like genteel fist fight. They kind of bounce around each other. Nobody wants to throw the first punch. So it's a little bit like that book. Everyone's quite gentle and kind. And if somebody does get out of line, people are quite quick to to self-regulate and bring them back in line. So in terms of that kind of admin, I don't really do very much. And it's also my hobby. So it's my favorite place to be. You know, when I wake up in the morning, it's the first place that I go. And I pop in throughout the day just to make sure that everything looks neat and tidy. And then remove the odd kind of advertising post or spam post that slips in there. But otherwise, the people, it's it's all down to the members of the group. I think they're they're the... They're actually the, the admins and they don't even realize it. And, and these are your 13,000 closest friends. 13,000. Listen, if you're, if you love books, then any person who loves book is a friend of mine. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Often somebody will do absolutely, something. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're going to take a quick break and then we are going, we, we're going to take a quick break and then we are going to get back and discuss, um, some of the recommendations from this online book club and some of the remarks that were made when Paige let them know that she was going to be on the show and some of the reactions, which were all very warm, very receptive. And we're going to chat about the books that they recommended and what they said we should mention on the show after this break. 
Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. This is People of the Book with Janice Leibovitz. Pick and Pay Norwood Hyper have these pocket saving sweet deals just for you. Pick and Pay kosher ginger cakes are selling hot at $20.99 each. Pick and Pay Kosher Melting Moments Biscuits are a mouth-watering $69.99 per kilo. Pick and Pay Kosher Long French Bread is scrumptious at $10.99 each. Pick and Pay Kosher Swiss Rolls are just $18.99 each. On Sundays only, you can get two Pick and Pay French Butter Croissants for just 25 Rand, valid until 21 February 2021. Take home these and many more specials in store. These specials are exclusive to Pick and Pay Norwood Hyper and only while stocks last. Pick and Pay Hyper Norwood, the best place to shop when you want to buy a lot. I am back with my guest Paige Nick and we have been chatting about her books, her novels, her collaborations and also her very, very special baby, the Good Book, the Good Book Appreciation Society, her online book club. And when Paige let the book club know that she was going to be on the show and asked them what they recommend, the book recommendations, she got a very warm response. And I think it would be only prudent if we mention some of the book recommendations they gave, some of the comments they made about the book club. And Paige, I'm going to leave it to you to start the ball rolling. All right. Well, you ask a question in the Good Book Appreciation Society about books. You can prepare to have um, a couple thousand, <laughs> a couple thousand eyes and a whole lot of responses. So um, we were chatting about what the club has meant to people, especially in COVID. And, and Gillian McLaren, one of our members, um, has said here, "I found it difficult to concentrate during this lockdown, so I've spent more time on Netflix than reading. But short stories have kept me going, including those of William Faulkner and Alice Munro." And um, that's, this has been a very recurring theme. I don't know uh, if your listeners have had the same thing, that especially during the very initial first hard lockdown, a lot of people have found it hard to concentrate. I think so much is going on in our minds. So um, I had the same thing. I couldn't read for the first two months. And then I think it was um, The Redhead by the Side of the Road by Ann Tyler was it's kind of a novella, and that's what got me reading. But uh, so if you are struggling to read, a lot of the recommendations that are coming through, um, some short stories, a fantastic collection called Joburg Noir, um, which has been edited by Nick Mplongo, but has yes. a wealth of South African writers. Janice, I think it's on your bedside table to read next. It right? is. It is on my very, very precariously high um, TBR list. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I keep picking it up and, and thinking, no, it, it needs time. It needs, it needs some time to absorb. And, and I, when I get to it, I'm, I know I'm going to enjoy it because um, Nick doesn't do anything in, in half measures. And I, I really want to take the time to enjoy that. And I need to thank Janine Daniel for sending that to me because um, that's where I received that from. So I'm looking forward to that. 
Yeah, and I can highly recommend it. I absolutely loved it. Um, I thought that it showed real depth. You know, often, um, you know, you can read through a short story a collection and not remember them, and there are three or four that have stuck with me, and I've really remembered them. Um, Shams Eska Esak has said, uh, this wonderful community of book lovers must have grown significantly since lockdown began. Now more than ever, books, reading, and being connected to fellow bibliophiles has made the lockdown and isolation more manageable. And I think that's a really good point. Uh, one of the books that we read last year uh, that was quite uh, highly recommended on the page, and, and I, it was one of my favorite books last year, is Miss Benson's Beetle. By oh, absolutely. Did you love it? Loved it. But it's by Rachel Joyce and... It was definitely on my, my highly recommended list for last year as well. Um, it was, it was just fabulous. And I know a lot of people mentioned that here on the, on the, um, on the book club list. And yeah, it, it came through many times. What a joy to read. Like, you know, when you're feeling kind of down and things are tough, it's kind of, so many people have also commented that they don't want to read the hard stuff at this point because you're already feeling it in real life. You need a bit of escape. So Miss Benson's Beetle is a wonderful escape. It's about um, a woman who goes hunting for a beetle in the jungle, and, and it's just magic. And um, and if you like to listen to audio books, the audio version of it is also just magnificent. Um a lot of people mention how they've discovered South African authors. Lucia, I hope I'm saying her name right, or Lucia Monique Ferdain says she's also been spending more time reading local authors. And, of course, Janice, both you and I are a huge proponent for local authors. Definitely. Um, yeah, and there's so much magic stuff. And I often say to people, if you want to buy an international book, go, go. But try buy one international, one local, one international, and you'll be surprised at how high the quality is. So if you buy a thriller, an international thriller, I urge you to try next buy a South African thriller and compare them. And I think you'll see that there's so much joy in reading a book set in your own neighborhood or in your own country where you can recognize things. Um, it adds a whole other element to reading. And um, for that, I can recommend Critical But but Sta Critical but Stable by Angela McCaw. It's another novel that I read at the end. Have you read that yet, Janice? I have read it. I loved it. Um, so it's a lovely, like, romp about the uber-wealthy, I think it's four uber-wealthy couples in Joburg and their child, married couples and their trials and tribulations of these married couples. And it's a, a wonderful romp of a beach. Well, you can't go on the beach, on the not on the beach read. <laughs> <laughs> not on the a holiday read. Or just just a light read to, to escape from, from all the bad news and all the heavy stuff that we we seem to be bombarded with today. And just on that note, um, Beryl Eichenberger. Hi, Beryl, if you're listening. It was lovely to hear from you. Um, she said that we all pick up such interesting titles here and ones we may never have come across, broadening our horizons and bringing such magic to our minds. And she says she is reading Theory of Flight by Sipiwe, Gloria and Lovu. So I haven't read Theory of Flight, but I just read at the end of last year um, the second novel that comes after this, it's standalone, called The History of Man, and I loved it. I absolutely five stars. I think it's phenomenal. You could pick that up off a New York Times bestseller list, and and you wouldn't even blink. It's perfectly produced and and excellently written. I don't know if you've read either of those. No, I haven't. I, I haven't read either of those. I can recommend them. The only difficulty is deciding which book to read next. We're so spoiled for choice, right? 
You really are. The other one that was recommended by many people was the Midnight Library by Matt Haig. Yes, that one, especially in the last two weeks, that one's had a huge amount of um, chatter on the club. And now that you mention that one, the other one is, um, and I haven't read the Midnight Library by Matt Haig, but it's definitely, it's on my um, my wish list. And then the other one is the Thursday Murder Club by Richard Osmond. Loved that. Oh, Loved tell us. It. I'm not sure. I'm keen to read it. So, I, I must say, it probably isn't everyone's cup of tea. And I'm, the reason I'm saying that is that I know South African readers have, while, while we're saying that here people are reading a wide variety and, and books that they probably would never have picked up before, the Thursday Murder Club, there's something very English about it. And it's about a, a group of older people who are living in in a retirement estate on a retirement estate and there's there's a little group of people there's i think four or five of them who literally get together every thursday and they try and solve cold cases and you know it's that that old premise of don't look at an older person and and forget that they were once a young active individual they they held down often very complex and complicated jobs in society. They and they are still um they have a lot to contribute. Don't quite, write them off too soon. I because like they they will get the better of you. I would love to read that set in South Africa. The South African version of that I think would be lovely. Yes, that, that is a brilliant idea. But um I think Richard Osman has written this I think with the intention of writing it as a series, well, I'm hoping, and I think many people are hoping, but it's it's quite clever, uh, and, and and of course these 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 people are quite clever, and it, it, it's hilarious. There are parts of it that will have you laughing out loud. Sounds like a good formula that you could call like a campaignable formula. Definitely, definitely, and and I think there will be more to follow. And as an antidote to that international, I just saw here and I remember Amanda Riki reminded me of Paradise in Gaza. This is the second time I'm mentioning Nick Mflongo, who brought out these two books, um, Joburg Noir, which he edited, and this one back to back. But um, Paradise in Gaza is a phenomenal local read. Um, it but just, I, I think you need to, I think you need to reiterate where Gaza is. Gaza, not Gaza that people are. Oh no! Thinking about. <laughs> Good point. I didn't even think of that. It's not the Gaza that would immediately come to mind. No, it's not next year in Gaza. It's um, it's a, a kind of local, not a real place, but based on a place. So it's it's kind of a mining town made up somewhere in South Africa. And yeah, our guy who goes from Joburg home back to Gaza to to visit his family for a funeral, and he takes his child with him. And his child gets lost and he has a wife in both places and the, the drama plays out and it's absolutely magnificently written. And I loved it so much. I can highly recommend that paradise in Gaza, not uh, in Gaza in South Africa. <laughs> yes. <laughs> not Gaza in the Middle East. No. Uh, do we have time for more or one, one or two more? And then we will have to. Wrap up. Oh, the other one that was was mentioned quite a few times is Shaggy Bane. Oh yeah, that's so hot right now. 
Uh, it was the, the Booker Prize winner. It won the Booker Prize last year. Have you read it? I, I don't really. It's I'm I'm a little nervous to read it because it's about a a, a boy who grows up with a drug addicted mother, right? So it is. I was very nervous to read it as well, like you. And I have started reading it, and I have to say, it's so beautifully written and quite easy to read, despite the subject matter. It's got something about it that lends to a real ease of reading. And I would recommend it. It's quite a hefty book, um, but I do recommend it. It's it, There's something about it, and I can understand why the Booker Prize judges were attracted to this book. Um, not easy subject matter, but I, I do highly recommend it. Yeah, that's been the overwhelming um, report back from the club, has been that people just loved reading it despite the difficult nature of the content. It's just somehow the author's managed to... Definitely, to, he's, he's managed something. Yeah. It's that X factor. Remarkable. And unfortunately, we are going to have to leave it there and wrap up, Paige. Oh, I'm so sad. I could talk about books all day. I know. I know we can. But I have loved having you as a guest. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. It's really been fun. I'm so grateful. Um, thank you for having me. I, I was hoping I could just do a shameless shout-out to my granny. do. To my very favorite granny, Sally Shapiro, who I know is listening. We miss you. We can't wait to spend time with you again once we're through all of this. That is Thank amazing. Thank you so much for having me, Janice. Really it's been a pleasure. Thank you for giving me your time. I've loved chatting. And to you listening, take care. Look after each other. Wear your masks. And until next time, read a book. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008.